Open your Bibles with me to Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. A very familiar Christmas passage, especially if you have ever heard the Messiah. And we're going to look at this passage today and think about our Savior. But why don't we go to the Lord in prayer first. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to gather together. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you most of all for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to live a sinless life and then die on a cross that he didn't deserve so that we can have eternal life. But Lord, thank you that you didn't leave him in the grave, but that he rose from the dead, proving that he was, is, and always will be God. Thank you, Lord, so much for your grace and mercy to us. Help us now as we look at some things from your word, and I pray that, you're, that you are glorified as your word is exalted this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Isn't that an amazing passage of Scripture? I want to point out a couple of things just right at the beginning. Notice the way it says, Unto us a child is born and a son is given, because Jesus Christ existed before his body. Jesus Christ existed in eternity. He didn't begin at Bethlehem. He didn't end at Calvary. He is very God of very gods. As a matter of fact, look at the way the passage says it. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and he shall be, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Look at what it says. The Mighty God. The Mighty God. So Jesus Christ is God, and the, the thing that we celebrate at Christmas time is that God became man. You know, there are cults like Mormonism that teach that man can become God. And the lie of Satan in the garden, as we'll see in a minute, was that you can be like gods. You can be like gods. That was the lie of Satan. There's only one God. In three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That is the one true God. And God the Son came as a baby at Bethlehem. What an amazing thing. So now let's look at this. I want us to see a couple of things about the book of Isaiah as we dive in. The book of Isaiah is a pretty dark book. It is pronouncing judgment on Israel and it, uh, Judah and Jerusalem and what is going to happen to them. It describes that ultimately when Jesus Christ returns, how he's going to tread the winepress of his wrath in this earth. There's some pretty tough stuff in the book of Isaiah. And it, in all of the darkness of the prophecy of what is coming into the world, there's a ray of light that comes. So you all know, I can't preach a passage like this without seeing what Charles Spurgeon said about it. So let me, let me gift you a little Charles Spurgeon about this passage. He said, he said this, I thought as I read this chapter last evening that the prophet, when he wrote the words of my text, all round about him were clouds of darkness. He heard prophetic thunders roaring, and he saw flashes of the lightnings of divine vengeance. Clouds and darkness for many a league were scattered through history. But he saw far away a bright spot, one place where the clear shining came down from heaven. And he sat down and penned these words. So look at verse 2. The people 
that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. He says this. He says, The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. And though he looked through whole leagues of space, where he saw the battle of the warrior with confused noise and garments rolled in blood, yet he fixed his eye upon one bright spot in futurity. And he declared that there he saw hope of peace, prosperity, and blessedness. For said he, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful. You know, there are, there are many thousands of things that are called Wonderful. Some people call winter Wonderful, walking in a winter wonderland. But if there's anything in the history of the world that is Wonderful, what is something that's Wonderful? Something to be wondered at. I had the, the opportunity to go to Switzerland. And while I was in Switzerland doing some historical research, I, I went to this little village called... Um, Oh, what's it called? Doesn't matter, but Lauterbrunnen. And when you walk into Lauterbrunnen, it's right in this valley. And you look up, and so I've been to the Rockies, and the Rocky Mountains are, they're just, they're, they're amazing. But the difference when you're in Lauterbrunnen, you start at a lower spot. When you go to the Rockies, by the time you make it to Denver, you're already at a mile high, and then you see the peaks above that. In Switzerland, you are at the base, and you look up, and you see these massive peaks. And what happens is you're filled with wonder. You are filled with wonder. You know, yesterday, during the wedding, to see Hannah and Liam, their smiles, that was the thing that, that, that was the, the best part of the wedding for me, was watching how happy they were, and how happy mom and dad are that it's over. But to see Hannah and Liam yesterday and their smiles, that's something that we can wonder at. To, to see this, this new marriage that is just beginning. So there are things that we can wonder at. You know, when I see a really nice car, I wonder at it. I'll go to the Chicago Car Show in February and just drool over all these cars. And you say, how can they do this? It's a, it's a wonder. There's nothing like the wonder that happened when God became man. And so when we say that he's wonderful, yes, he is something that could be wondered at. I want to quote Spurgeon for you again. He said it so well. He said, there's no flattery here. It is just the simple name that he deserves. They that know him best will say that the word does not overstrain his merits, but rather falls infinitely short of his glorious deserving. His name is called Wonderful. Can you just stop and think about Jesus for a minute? I know some of you are probably thinking about your get-togethers that you're going to have later today or later this week. You might be thinking about your meal. These boys are probably wondering, why does pastor have pink shoelaces today? They're candy canes. When you look up close, they're candy canes for the little kids. They don't want to eat them. The kids, don't eat my shoelaces. That's nasty. But this, we wonder at things. I want you to step back and just think about Jesus. The way that he came and how 
What, what a wonder that is. So it's wonderful in the sense of just standing in awe that God could be found in a, in a precious little baby and then grow in favor with God and with man. And that by the time he's 12 years old, he's confounding the doctors and the, the theologians in the temple. And when his mother chides him and says, your father and I were looking for you, he says, no, 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 I must be about my father's work. He could, the, the only place in the Bible where Joseph is called the father of Jesus, Jesus Christ corrects that and says, I must be about my father's business. While I'm sure he showed great respect to, to his earthly father, Joseph, he did not have a human father. His father was God. He was born of a virgin. Amen? That's something to wonder at. God, how could you do this? How, how could you do this? Well, for him, it's nothing. It's no great feat for God to do it. But not only is Jesus wonderful because he's God in the flesh, but what a wonderful thing it is that he would endure the shame, the reproach, the, that he would endure the abuse that he took from sinful men without retaliation. I couldn't do it. I, now, of course, I was not worthy of doing it. But if I had been asked to bear that, I, I could not do it. It is amazing that God, he had all the full power of the Godhead, as we'll see in a minute, and yet he restrained that while men were spitting at him and slapping him and mocking him, and he did all of that for us. Isn't that something to wonder at? Uh, Frank Turek, the, the Christian writer, he was debating uh, Christopher Hitchens, the atheist, and he, he, Hitch, er, uh, Turek has written a book called Stealing from God, and so what he said to Hitchens, because Hitchens doesn't like God because he believes that God is immoral. Well, there would be no morality without a moral God. That's where our morality comes from. And, and Turek said, Christopher, you have to climb up into God's lap so that you can slap him in the face. And the amazing thing is, is that God will allow people to abuse his name over and over and over again, but not forever. The Bible says the government will be on Jesus' shoulders. He is coming back. He is going to come and reign as King of kings and Lord of lords. But until then, he is the Savior of mankind. That is something to wonder at. He is, his name shall be called Wonderful. Look at verse 6 again. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Counselor. This is going to be the crux of my message today. This is such an amazing thought to me. Why a counselor? What? Doesn't that seem like a strange thing in there? You have mighty God, you have wonderful, you have everlasting Father and counselor. Why is that significant? Because it was by a counselor that the world was ruined. Remember, the serpent came into the garden, and he counseled Eve. You can eat of the fruit of the tree of the, in the garden. You can, you can eat everything. When, the reason that God doesn't want you to eat that fruit, the forbidden fruit, is because when you eat of that, then your eyes will be open and you'll be like God's. And you, this is something that you want. He counseled her, and she she agreed. She listened to that counsel, and by a counsel, the world was destroyed. Satan masked himself in the serpent and counseled the woman with exceeding craftiness that 
She should take unto herself the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the hope that she would be as God. Wonderful counselor. It's amazing that God in his wisdom since through a counselor the world was destroyed. When Jesus came, he came as our counselor. One of the things that I love is that in the Bible, Isaiah chapter 14, the Bible talks about Lucifer. And it says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend above the Most High. I will send above the clouds. I will be like the Most High. I will sit. I'll have my throne with the throne of God. That's all. He had, he had eye trouble. But the Bible says, thou shalt be cast down. And he was cast down. And now, what does the Bible say about Jesus Christ? This is so fun. Hold your place here in Isaiah. Go to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Wonderful. Counselor. Look what the Bible says in verse 1. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. So Jesus, when he entered into the world, obviously he didn't begin there because he had made the world. He entered into his own creation. Verse 3, who being the brightness of his glory, do you see that's the light that Isaiah talked about? Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, so you can't see God. The Bible says no man has seen God at any time. His disciples said, show us the Father. And Jesus said, have I been with you so long and still you don't know? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because what is his name? Everlasting Father. All right, so look at the verse. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. That's what Satan wanted. Satan wanted to sit in God's throne with God. No, Jesus gets that. Look at what it says, verse 4, being made so much better than the angels. Oh, Jesus is better than Lucifer's an angel. As he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they, a cherub, to be more specific. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. See, all the angels are called sons of God, but there's only one begotten son, and that's Jesus Christ. Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he bringeth the first begotten into the world, that's what we're celebrating today. He said, let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he saith, who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. But unto the son, he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. So everything that Satan wanted. That's what Jesus has by inheritance because of who he is. Go back to Isaiah chapter 9. So wonderful counselor. This is just another one of those things. Satan thought he was the counselor. He was more subtle than all the beasts of the field. He came in with his subtlety and his craftiness and is able to deceive. And the Bible says, look at Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. 
Verse 7, And there was war in heaven. Michael and his archangels fought against the dragon, that's Satan, and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan. Look at what it says. Which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Now this is yet future. This will happen. You say, wait a minute, Satan's in heaven? Yes, Satan appears before God accusing the brethren day and night. The passage that we just read says, if you read read a little bit further past. He's the accuser. He's the deceiver. That's the kind of counselor he is. He would be, as the accuser, he would be the prosecuting attorney, taking the vileness of his nature that he has spread through the world and accusing us before the Father day and night. That's what he does. He's, he's a counselor. And so what did God do? God sent another counselor. It is amazing that the world should have a counselor to restore it since it had a counselor to destroy it. It was by counsel that it fell, and certainly without counsel, it could never have hope of new life. And so God sent a counselor into that darkness. I want you to think about Christ's threefold role as a counselor. First, he is a counselor in the Godhead with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Genesis 1.26, let us make man in our image. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost got together and said, let us make man in our image. They looked down after the flood and all the languages were one and all the people were one. And under a man named Nimrod, they were building a tower that they said would reach to heaven. And the Bible says that, that the Godhead in counsel together, they said, now nothing will be restrained from them. How many of you have noticed when a bunch of people get together, bad things happen? How many of you, when you're thinking of peace and safety, you think of New York City, Shanghai, you know, where you get shanghai right? When people gather together in great numbers, then their sin is not restrained because you can hide things. It's much smaller to be depraved in a small community because everyone knows who you are and what you're doing. It's amazing. And so God looked down and said, let us, he said it in Genesis chapter 11, he said, I want to read it right, let us go down and there confound the language. Oh, the language. Everybody spoke the same language. There was one human language at that point. God divided their tongues and that place is called what? Babel. Babel. So when you hear about people babbling, that's what the sound sounded like. Have you been in a foreign country and they're talking and you don't have any idea what they're saying? I felt that way in Alabama once. Y'all know what I'm talking about? That was through the counsel of God. It was the grace of God that he divided the people and divided the land, divided the continents and did all of that. Because eventually there will be a one world government and it will worship Satan. God knew that. It's his mercy and grace. What a counselor. That's the counsel that Christ was providing in the Godhead. So number one, he's a counselor in the Godhead with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Number two, he's a counselor to bring me to salvation. We won't take the time to turn there, but in Revelation chapter 3, Jesus Christ is addressing some of the churches in Asia Minor. And there's one particular church. It's a church at, at a city called Laodicea. And this was a worldly church. This was a church, like most of the churches in our town, like most of the churches in the world, they no longer have the truth. 
Jesus Christ is a stranger in those churches. I was at the barbershop this week. It's amazing the conversations that I get into at the barbershop. They had just had a guy in the barber chair who is a minister. And he said that um, Goliath, David did not hit him in the head with a stone. He hit him in the knee. And the reason he knows that David hit him in the knee was because he fell forward. If he had hit him in the head, he would have fallen backward. But what, were you there? Right? This is a guy that's supposed to be a minister. Come to find out he's a member of a cult over in New Knoxville that doesn't even believe that Jesus Christ is God. Do you know what Jesus would say to him? He would say what he says in the book of Revelation. I counsel thee to buy of me. Why is he counseling them? He says, because thou art rich and increased with goods and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So what's the cure? I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. And, and I salve that, that they may see. And, and, and let me give you white raiment that you can be clothed. A lot of picturesque language there. What's he saying? You need to be born again. You need to be saved. That white raiment, here's what's going to happen in the future. When we all stand before God, every saved person will be put in a white robe, which demonstrates the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So what, what does he counsel? He, he counseled the Godhead on how to create man. He counseled the Godhead on how to preserve mankind longer so more can be saved. And then he counsels us as supposed Christians in church to be born again. You might be here this morning and you've been raised in Christianity. You believe in the virgin birth. You believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But you don't believe that that's enough. You've added baptism to salvation. You've added good works to salvation. You've added church membership to salvation. You've added communion to salvation. That is robbing the Bible of the... Here's the words of Scripture. The simplicity of the gospel. The simplicity that is in Christ. Because Christ can save you without baptism. Christ can save you without communion. Christ can save you without giving money to the church or joining a church. Our salvation is only through Jesus Christ. And he is the counselor. Jesus said to the world, no man can come to my father unless the spirit draw him. The, the only way to have salvation, he said, and this is life eternal, that thou might know the one true God. And Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. That's what eternal life is. It's knowing God. It's being introduced to your creator and maker. When you say that that's not enough. When you say that that's not enough. The Bible says you abuse the gospel. You pervert. That's the word the Bible uses in the book of Galatians. Pervert the gospel. Now, you're not doing that on purpose. You're doing what you have been taught. But the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. By grace. What is grace? It's a gift. Who's coming up here this time? Simon, come on up here. So, I have my Christmas pen. See it red? All very nice. I'm going to make this pen a gift 
to Simon. I'm going to give it to you. What do you have to do to make it yours? Just take it. Now, in order to keep that, you've got to wash my car every week for the next 10 years. Why'd you give it back? Because it's not a gift. Thank you. You can be seated. If someone as, as, as limited an intellect as Simon can figure out, well, he's a Blackford. He can't help it. If Half the church is Blackfords. I'm in real trouble right now. So, If he can figure out that if you have to earn it, if you have to work for it, it's not a gift, what is wrong with the rest of the Christian world? If you think that you can work for a gift, explain to me how that works. Right? You're going to have Christmas, you're going to have your presents around the tree, you're going to open those up, and at the bottom of the box, you get this gift at the bottom of the box, all right, in order to do this, you've got to go to church 12 times, and you have to wash the pastor's car, and you... Now, if you want to wash my car, please, pretty dirty. None of that has anything to do with a gift. Amen? It's so important that we understand this. Jesus said, you have all of this religion. You have all of this religion, and I am not there. Do you know what Jesus is doing to the church at Laodicea? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's outside the door. Hey, hey, it's Jesus. Let me in. It's Jesus. Let me in. And if we are going to be a church that represents Christ, that worships Christ, that understands that he's wonderful, counselor, the mighty God, then we have to come to him the way the Bible says. Remember I was saying, Jesus said, the Father, no man can come to the Father except the Spirit draw him. And then Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. We have a figure of the cross up here. When Jesus Christ was lifted up on that cross, do you know what he was doing? He was drawing you. He was drawing me. Because all means all, and that's all that all means. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. That's for you. Have you? There are people, I'm sure there's someone in this room that would say, you don't understand what I've done. I don't think I can be saved. Are you a part of all man? Are you a part of mankind? Are you, are you a man or a woman born of a woman? Is, is that who you are? Then that's who Jesus Christ died for. That's who Jesus Christ. The Bible says he tasted death for every man. What a wonderful thing that is. And he counsels us, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And that's why he's called the Prince of Peace. But not only is he a counselor in the Godhead, not only does he counsel me to salvation, but he is also a counselor to the Father for me. Check this out. This is so fun. Remember, Lucifer, Satan, he's, he's the accuser. He's the prosecuting attorney. Listen to who my attorney is. First John 2, 1. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. Don't sin. Okay, that'd be a good message, very short message. Teenagers, don't sin. How many think that'd be a good message? Right? That's, that's the message here. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. I have an advocate. I have a counselor. I have a lawyer. It's Jesus. So if God the Father 
were to look at me, Jim Alter, and I get angry and kill someone on the road. Might happen this afternoon. I'm not going to do that, okay? That's just bad analogy. I, I get angry and sw- how about I swear at somebody on the road? And the father says, you've got to judge that. The advocate says, uh, your honor, your honor, may I be heard? He's one of mine. I have, I have already paid for that sin. I have paid for that. He is actually sinless. He is actually forgiven. And God says, not guilty. The threefold counselor. The counsel and counsel in the Godhead about the creation of mankind and the protection of mankind by the divisions. He's a counselor to me. Get saved. Get born again. Be saved. I, I want you to have eternal life. Come to me. And then he's a counselor with the Father for me after I'm saved. So that's how I have access. That's how, now, now, you say, now, remember what I said a minute ago? When Jesus said, he's sinless, he's perfect. I'm just a sinner. Why can Jesus say that? Because he's pointing to his righteousness that he's given me. I don't have any. There's none righteous. No, not one, the Bible says. I don't have any. It's the righteousness that God gives me when I'm born again. Look at our text. Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. The mighty God. Just think about this. He's wonderful. The fact that a mighty God can become a man, that's pretty wonderful. He's my counselor. When you're in trouble, isn't it awesome? We have an attorney that helps us at the church. He's a wonderful man, Rick Schulte. He's probably the best lawyer in the state. Man, I love having that kind of legal firepower behind me. he's, He's been a great blessing to our church. It's awesome to have somebody who's, who's the real deal. You know, how many of you, that you've met some lawyers and you're thinking, I'm not sure that's the guy I want representing me. Well, if I had a choice between Rick representing me and Jesus representing me, I love Rick. I'm taking Jesus, right? That, because he's not only my counselor, he's mighty God. My counsel is God. He is not, okay, look at the text. I got ahead of myself. This is so fun. So look where it says the mighty God. Do you see that? So he's mighty, which means he can do anything, right? And and he's not just mighty. There are some men, I was watching the football game yesterday, and it was so fun. Um, The running back's trying to get through the line, and he wasn't making it. And the lineman put his arms around the guy and ran with him through the line. And the announcer said, yeah, that guy said, come on, little guy. (laughs) Come on, little man, I got you. The running back would destroy me. This guy picked up the running back like he's nothing. That is a mighty man. He's not God. He's not God. But look at this. The mighty God. There's only one. Well, you said God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's the Godhead. They are all one. One what? Three who's. 
not Mary Lou who. Three who's. One what? Three who's. The Godhead. God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. The mighty God. Folks, when we gather around with our families this week, I hope that you'll read the Christmas story with the children and with the family and that you remember before you open your gifts what Christmas is about. Um, that little baby, he's wonderful. He's a counselor. He's the mighty God. The everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And understand, the government will be on his shoulder. And of his government and increase, there will be no end. Folks, he came the first time as a baby. He came the first time as a humble servant. And that's the way he's described all through the book of Isaiah. A humble, suffering servant. When he comes back, that's not the way he's coming back. Let's come to him and worship him now. Amen? And enjoy the blessedness of his reign when he returns. Wonderful. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Let's all stand together. Lord, you're so good to us. This passage of Scripture, we could have spent months in this passage alone. But we've just taken a few minutes to think about how wonderful you really are.